Let me ask you a question or two. Do you ever feel like you're done with your to-do list? For those of you who make... Oh, you're nodding? No, good, yeah. For those of you who make to-do lists, no, you're never done with them. Maybe for those of us who don't make to-do lists, have you ever felt like you needed a vacation from your vacation? Yes. Yes. Maybe the spiritual part of your preacher today is going to tell you that if you think you needed a vacation from your vacation, you probably need something else. I actually think it means we need to embrace the Sabbath a little better. But we'll get to that. These days, it seems like there's always something to do. We're busy. We're so busy that we just want to stop and sort of Calgon, take me away from all of it. I realized that someday I must quit using that reference because I'm, you know, one of those kids who was old enough to remember watching it on TV in the afternoons, but anybody under 35 has no idea what I'm talking about. We think that it's a modern problem, though, that we are too busy and that we need to escape. But if you think back to the beginning of Scripture, or at least early in Scripture, in Egypt, under Pharaoh, the people of God worked all day, every day, seven days a week, probably from before sunrise till after sun had set. And in this passage that we'll read today, Jesus has to escape or seeks to escape for some rest. But there were still people to heal. There was still teaching that needed to happen. Because there's always something to do. So much so that we often ignore the Sabbath and ignore our need to rest and recover. And in that way, we ignore the spiritual practices that would create fulfillment in our lives and and who we are. We have inadvertently traded the Sabbath for endless to-do lists or just escapes from reality that actually remove us from our spiritual life and don't do that much to remedy the troubles we face. God creates us for something different. God gives us the Sabbath because we need something different. And Jesus, in the midst of ministry, stops to recover, or at least tries to, to remind us that we need to do the same. So listen for that and what else the Spirit leads you to as we read verses from the Gospel of Mark chapter 6. We'll share in verses 30 through 34 and then 53 through 56. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all they had done and had taught. He said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, 
And he began to teach them many things. Verse 53. When they had crossed over, they came to the land at Gesenaret and moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, the people at once recognized him and they rushed about that whole region and began to bring the sick on mats wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now for that under 35 crowd who doesn't get the Calgon take me away joke, if I say work, 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 you'd know what I'm talking about, right? The popular musician Rihanna sings a song with this refrain, work, 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 over and over and over again. And while we like to blame the ills of society on the young and the kids these days, The fact of the matter is, Rihanna did not invent work, work, work. She just sings about it. The Protestants didn't invent it either, but they did come up with, you know, the Protestant work ethic. Or they came up with a work ethic that was described about 120 years ago as the Protestant work ethic. You might remember that phrase from history class. It's a view that a person's duty is to achieve success through hard work and thrift and that such success is a sign that one is saved. Many generations have embraced this urge from within some obligation of our faith tradition to express our faithfulness through hard work. Work, 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 work is how we show we're not lazy, but we're faithful and we're saved. And maybe that's true. That's at least part true. But did you notice what Jesus was trying to do at the beginning of that passage? Now you notice we also skipped... 19 verses, but Jesus didn't rest for those 19 verses. He fed the 5,000 and then walked on water. You see, Jesus was trying to get a way to rest. His disciples had gone out into all of the cities and communities and towns and had spread the love of God and had shaken the dust off of their feet at times. And when they got back and they told the stories, Jesus said, you need some rest. But there was always someone else around the corner. There was always something happening in Jesus' ministerial to-do list. There was always someone there. But that didn't preclude the need for meaningful rest. Because we need rest. God created you as a being that needs rest. The Sabbath is a gift from God, but too often we take it for granted and abuse it, and in that way we follow in a long line of people who are God's children who take the Sabbath for granted. 
but we still need to attend to it. We would do well to attend to it. The priests who recorded the stories of what had happened or told the stories of what God had done when they wrote the creation narrative in Genesis 1, it took six days to create and on the seventh day, God rested. God didn't run away to some cosmic vacation spot. God figured out some way to create a spiritual connection and holy rest. And though the Sabbath is not overly conspicuous in the book of Genesis, by the time you get to Exodus, it, there's a way to read the Exodus story in which the Sabbath takes center stage. The Sabbath becomes, in many ways, the defining existence of the people of Israel. Because they were the ones who were governed by a different rhythm than the one that Pharaoh was setting forth. And to practice Sabbath, and to practice rest, and to worship and mark a day of attention to one's spiritual life is to order your life around something other than production of bricks or of money or of something else like that. Because in Egypt, it had gotten to the point where the Israelites had to work all day, every day. Seven days a week, they built bricks, and they built bricks, and they built bricks. And their life was defined by what they were producing for Pharaoh. They were no longer seen as people. They were merely cogs in an assembly line designed to get Pharaoh everything he needed to build anything he wanted. So when the Israelites escape from Egypt, God is is defining their lives differently. And God demands that they're going to mark their time differently. And the difference is that every seven days, they would stop from their production. They would stop from their money making. They would stop from their, their... their relentless to-do lists. And they would rest on that seventh day. God commands that they would remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Because when you can't remember to rest and when you can't remember to stop doing and producing, you begin to be defined by your ability to produce or in our lives, in our time, generate money and profits, oftentimes for someone else. When you can only take a break when the production is complete, what you find is you are defined by what you produce and you can never take a break. And so God gave the Israelites the Sabbath. God gives us the Sabbath. And for Christians, the Sabbath is, like we're gathered today, defined by a day of worship and a day of rest and a day to reclaim in our spiritual hearts and lives that we are not cogs in the assembly line of production. We are not interchangeable parts. We are God's children. You are God's child. God knows you. God cared enough to send His Son for you. God resurrected Jesus for you. And so on this day, 
We gather, we celebrate that resurrection, and we, we try to tune our hearts and lives to a master not who produces, but who loves. We stop, we rest, we recover, and we worship, and we cultivate a spiritual life. We're given a Sabbath day to be defined by something other than what we do. And after a long stretch of ministry and a difficult stretch of ministry, that's what Jesus was trying to do for his disciples. Even with the crowds upon him, even with everyone who wanted to just touch his garment. He pulled them away because he saw what we see that left to our own devices, like Rihanna sings, we will work, work, work so we can make, make, make and we will fail to feed our souls. And to truly feed our souls takes ceasing, it takes time apart, And it takes turning ourselves over to the Lord in a way that is different from just rest or vacation. Because as awesome as those are, we sometimes need vacations from our vacation. And that's why Jesus took his disciples away to rest and recover. And that's a huge part of why you're here today and why the church is insistent that we will gather on the holy day to worship and to stop and to sing songs we don't otherwise sing, and to close our eyes and bow our heads and pray in ways that sometimes we don't always pray, and to breathe, and sometimes we stop, and we just fall asleep because we don't even know how to stop. Our body doesn't know what to do because it's only used to going. And ultimately, true rest and recovery is about changing rhythm, reminding us that we are God's children, and defining ourselves as something other than cogs in someone else's production facility. Now, confessionally, as a church, well, churches aren't that good at doing that. We're not really that good at that. We have often been driven by a Protestant work ethic that says you become a deacon, you teach Sunday school, you show up to do. We embody a Protestant work ethic here that reflects the salvation that we think we have. And sometimes we put that ahead of the spiritual connection that we need that would be most fulfilling. When I think about what the church should be, what a church should be, it should be a a body of believers who collectively gather and share life and collaborate and draw upon one another's gifts so that we might experience the love of God with one another and we might share it well with the world outside of us. That's what we should be doing. We should gather. We should share life. We should lend our gifts and talents to the work of God. And hopefully that feels more like being empowered by God's love than it feels 
like being burdened by a master who asks us to do more stuff. But I'm afraid sometimes we've asked one another to just do more stuff. We too have have created our own means of production within these walls that create a a sense of, of, of duty rather than cultivate a spiritual haven for rest and recovery. Now, on the day before Vacation Bible School, this is not the time for you to give up all of your volunteer commitments. But, it is important for us to acknowledge that how we assess, and if we assess and engage and begin to embody this spirit of rest and recovery from the relentless production of the world as a congregation, I think I think we might be able to create new pathways by which we experience the love of God. It will take us taking the Sabbath seriously. It will mean abandoning our plans for escape every time, chance that we get. It will take an attention to something more important than our to-do list. But I think if we're shaped by the Sabbath, rather than just the embodiment of a work ethic, I suspect we might better see the help that the world needs. We might better see, be able to see better, how our gifts can reach the world around us. And I suspect the world around us might also see that as a group of people defined by a different rhythm, they might see they need that rhythm and connection also. When we start to do it right, we can become more embracing and and, and seek a faith that's more fulfilling than exhausting and full of divisiveness and declarations. When we do it right, worship becomes a part of our renewal, not an obligation that we've got to put our tie on for. Excuse me. When we do it right, we become energized by our God-given strengths and not dragged down by our nominating committee's obligations. And when we do it right, we're all in it together. Our rest and Sabbath doesn't happen at the expense of others. Rather, we become a part, the part of the world that builds everyone up rather than taxing anyone. It's not easy, and with the time I have left, I don't have enough steps to lay out how we do it, and nor would I even confess that I'm an expert in how we do it. But, but I see that we need to. And when we see that Jesus, in the midst of very important ministry, wants to pull his disciples away to rest for healing and for recovery, it should send the alarm bells off on the dashboard of our lives. That if Jesus is trying to pull away for rest, he's modeling something for us that we deeply need. Because... Well, because when there's too many to-do lists or we need vacations from our vacations, 
or we're so tired from everything else that we get away at every chance we get. The light on the dashboard is telling us maybe we're not remembering our our Sabbath and keeping it holy. And maybe we're not arranging our congregational life in the way that best helps us to remember the Sabbath. And maybe we can experience and model a different way of being so that even in the midst of what is a chaotic, busy, overscheduled life, we can cultivate a connection and can find renewal through some spiritual rest. Have you noticed that Amazon delivers packages to your door on Sunday now? Work, 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 work. There's always something to do. There's always somewhere to go. And if we let them, the culture of production will suck us in and overwhelm us. But the solution is not to leave it all behind. The solution is not to throw a wrench in the production line, literally. But it's to embody a relationship to that production line that's different. God gave us the Sabbath for worship and for rest to provide renewal and refreshment in a different way. A way that connects our faith to our spiritual life and our spiritual life to our rhythm of our regular life. And that happens in in ways so that when we embody the gifts of God, we begin to feel fooled and enlivened by the Spirit of God rather than drained looking for another escape plan. I think this is what Jesus is looking for when his disciples are ready to get away from the crowds to rest. I think that's what we do when we're doing faith the right way. It becomes a part of our engagement with God through God's community of people that builds us up and refreshes and renews us rather than makes us feel like we have one more thing to do. And I hope that at becoming a group of people who gather to uplift one another and, and help one another rest well becomes a guiding star for us. And I trust that if it does, God will guide us in the steps to get there so that along the way we might experience true rest and renewal and will not be worn out by our work, work, work so much that we need another vacation from our vacation. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we are your people who are gathered here today to know you better and to hear you and to sense your loving presence. And Lord, also, whether we remembered it or not, we need, we need your renewal. We need rest and we need fulfillment in this spiritual life so that we might be your people well, but also that we might be your people and not someone or something else's cog or wheel or step in their process of production.
And so, Lord, help us as we seek to do that. Guide us as we seek to follow you in that way and renew us along the way so that we might live a holy, full life that embodies your love rather than escapes all the other obligations. Lord, help us with this and hear the prayers from our hearts about this. For each one of us pray something different, but all of us pray for your help and your strength today. And we're thankful that, we hear, that you hear the prayers we offer. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.